We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How much profit is there in challenging the wisdom of the masses? Fred Zinke and I discuss ADP fallers and in-draft fallers on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are live here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Fantrax and Underdog. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Fun topic today. I think it's a good psychological topic, if you will. Dealing with going against the wisdom of the masses. How do you uh, handle fallers and, and, and in-draft slippers? We're going to talk about that. Before we do that, though, let's hit on some of the big news items of the draft here. There's a lot going on. Uh, the WBC is going on. Uh, we saw a perfect game in the WBC yesterday. Saw uh, you know U.S. stomp all over Canada. Lost to Mexico. Forget about that. No one saw that. Uh, no, everybody saw that. It was su- actually Sunday night. I was, I was even though the U.S. was losing, I was buzzing off of that game because the crowd was so into it. You know, the whole world cares about that. This, this is, that's the fun thing about the WBC. It's not necessarily the U.S. reaction. It's the worldwide reaction. Yeah, for sure. I I would say that I'm not the most involved in the WBC of all the baseball fans. Uh, maybe it's because I, my country doesn't have much of a chance when you look at their roster. Um, 18 runs in their first game. They did. What are you talking <laughs> about? They've got a great chance. They did. Uh, there have been a lot of blowouts like, and not a lot of great games so far in the WBC. I think that'll it's a small sample. I think that'll correct itself uh, in mm-hmm. time, but there have been a lot of really lopsided games so far. Yeah, there have. There have. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I thought there's some fun stories too. Uh, you know, you see like the Nicaraguan pitcher who got signed to a professional contract after striking out three Dominican players yesterday uh, by the Tigers. So good for him. Uh, we saw, you know, Korea. This is three straight WBCs that they haven't made it to the elimination round. Stuck in a tough, tough bracket, but the Aussies got to them. The Aussies beat them. So Italy advanced already too in a five-way tie in their group. It's its own form of March Madness, right? Anytime you create, uh, it's not exactly a single eliminate, elimination tournament, but some of these games do amount to that at some point, right? Because, yep. you know, you're like, well, if, if we don't get by these guys, they'll end up being ahead of us in the standings. So, yeah, it's its own form of March Madness. And, you know, March any any single elimination type of tournament, um, you know, has its faults as far as declaring a true champion, but it's also way more exciting for all of us fans. Yeah, as we've discussed Plenty of times the t- when to host the tournament is the biggest problem with it. Yeah. There is no good single time. You know, here we don't have enough good pitchers. Uh, you know, if you do it in the summer, MLB doesn't want to stop games for a while. I still think that's the uh, I think that's the logical way to do it is like yeah. you do a, an extended all star break. You don't have an all star game that year. And instead of four gate four days, you have like 12 days and you just bang it out then. Um, and everyone gets an extended rest. That's not playing. Yeah, that's like like hockey does with the Olympics, right? Like yeah. hockey takes off about three weeks, and in those three weeks, you know, baseball could probably be even less because there's even less teamwork involved. Um, like the hockey teams, at least have to have like a, they have like a few practices to make lines and things like that. Like baseball could take off probably literally just two weeks, and 
and make this thing work. And and it would be having pitchers stretched out too, so that they just make the equivalent of a regular start. Like you could set a pitch limit if you want, but the pitch limit would be more like 90 or a hundred. So, right. um, so it'd be more realistic. So yeah, I think that's the way to do it. I understand that ba- the baseball season's already really tightly, you know, packed together, but um, yeah, like you said, like you don't have an all-star game for a year you name all-star teams and that's it. It's just an honor to be, you know, put on a team and that's it. And, um, and you have these guys just go out, go straight to venues and, you know, maybe they may have like one day of practice and then here we go. And that would be the way to do it. Yeah. I'd be in favor of that. I like, you know, I saw Max Scherzer talking about how he wishes it was mid season. He definitely would have done it. Um, You know, we would have had better participation. The funny thing is we have it like on the hitting side. Almost all the elite hitters are playing. You know, you look at the the Dominicans lineup; it's just gross. The U.S. lineup is gross. Um, but I, I get it. And you know, Chris Centara uh, makes a good point. He goes, "My team's in contention. I don't want my pitchers over the All Star break. I want them to rest." I get that. I understand that. And I know teams are going to be that way. Long time ago, uh, there is a baseball prospectus had a meet and greet with Kevin Towers and Bavesi. I forget which Bill Bavese, I believe it was GMs of the Padres and Mariners at the time. And I asked, this is right. This before the first WBC, it shows me how old I am. Um, And he goes, your thoughts on that uh, on the WBC. And immediately both are like, no comment. You know, they're like, you know, they, they, they really want to be speak out against it. They know they couldn't have. uh, So they just moved on because, you know, no front office person wants their player to get hurt. They don't want to waste, you know, waste good pitches. And and something that doesn't help the team. It's all a transactional thing. You have that tension in the World Cup too. People, you know, club versus country. You you see that at times, uh, but it's way more pronounced here because it's not an established contest. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, going back to the NHL participation, like it's the exact same thing. Like like what NHL team wants their best player to go play in? You know, five really hardworking you know, games that have nothing to do with the NHL season and could jeopardize. We've seen players hurt at the Olympics. Oh, all the time. And for sure. yeah, and that, it, like, that's a physical sport, but I think you just get the owners, like they got the owners on board by saying like, this is something if it's done in the, now the NHL has been choosy about when and where they do it. When it was games were going to be played in certain countries at five in the morning here, they didn't want to do it, but basically the message to the owners, and it'd be the same in baseball would be this can grow your game. Like you're all going to give up, your ace pitchers, you're all going to give up your, ace, your, your top batters. You know, we're all going to run the same risk of injury and it, it that's fair um, because this will grow the game and this will, it, you you'd have to show the owners the way it could create revenue by having this showcase of talent around the world. And it would be, and it's the same thing. It's very similar to hockey where there'd be like eight or 10 countries that would be very interested in it. And that, that's how, that's how you have to get the owners on board. Like sure, sure. You're all going to give up a pitcher for this and maybe one of you, your pitcher is going to get hurt at a mid season WBC out of everyone, but we're all going to take the risk. One of us is going to end up taking the hit. We don't know which one, but it's going to grow the game. And yeah. it, that has to be the approach. And it's not an every year thing. It's an every four years type of thing, something like that. Right. And it's six this time because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, they were going to have it in 21, but obviously they couldn't have it yeah. then. So uh, last one was 2017. Uh, all right, a uh, couple. One other thing, Jose Barrios got smashed in his WBC start. Now it's one start, mm-hmm. but we've seen this Jose Barrios before. It, it's not a fun one. You're you're a Jays guy. If you've had Barrios on your roster, you've seen it before. I already was lower on him. I feel like I'm lower on him. I, I don't have him anywhere. Uh, but I don't know. I I does I, this lower him anymore? Is it possible to be even lower on him than he already was? This is concerning. <laughs> I think uh, it's just it's a it's the first game he's pitched in since last season where the other team is obviously fully dialed in. It's not a spring training game. Someone's not really working on something. You know, oh maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll try this this then this at bat like things like that. Like this was a game where you know got like like guys are going full out just trying to win the game and he stunk and it's. It's definitely, I don't know. I'm kind of out on drafting him this season anyways. I just, I don't know. At his ADP, I just, I'm not going to bother. There's still pitchers around there that I like. So I'm out. But I think this will lower his ADP this weekend. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, um, this, this weekend. A little bit. Another round. So just be like, if you're going to grab him at his ADP, there's just going to be that pause where you're just going to say, you think of that start. And you'll be like, ah, oh, do I really? Because he's being drafted still as someone who's who's in your rotation, in your fantasy team. Like he's not really being drafted as like your seventh starter or something like that. Yeah, he's the last like Blue Jay uh, of 13, by the way, that are drafted for to be starters on your team and your fantasy team, no matter the size of the league. It would take like, an eight-team mixed league to not draft him as a starter, basically. I mean, that he, his ADP in the, in the Roto-Wire Online Championship in the last two weeks, which is a 12-team league in the NFBC, uh, it's at 226. That's your that's a starting spot. Uh, after that, you drop all the way down to Brandon Belt. So there's a pretty big drop-off after him. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, like if he was more like pick 300 or something, then sure. But I don't know. With where he's going... I'm just, like I said, there's still pitchers at that point that, that I like, that I'm actually interested in. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you look at that there and, uh, yeah, it's, it's not pretty. So, uh, I, I probably won't have any of them. Don't have them so far yet. Uh, the flip side, Joey Manessis, <laughs> big, two big bombs for Mexico against the U S now this is a guy there are some question marks about, you know, is, is he a late bloomer or is he Frank Schwindel? I know I've made that lazy comparison before. Let's just throw it out there one more time. You know, ADP for him in the last two weeks is 201. I feel like he's kind of slightly on the rise anyhow, that more people are kind of open to the possibility that, hey, that he could be legitimate. He could be more Ben Zobris or Jose Bautista or Whit Merrifield than he is, say, Schwindel. Yeah, and this two homer game against America's it's not not gonna hurt. I'm in a couple slow drafts right now, and in one of them he was in my queue kind of overnight that night. And by the time we got to about nine o'clock the next morning, he was out of my queue because someone I have maybe about four picks away and someone probably saw the two homers and decided he was the guy they were gonna take the plunge on. I don't know. I the the Frank Schwindel, I've made the comparison. It's a lazy mm-hmm. comparison. Like we're just and I get that. We're just taking you know, late blooming first base, the, the most recent late blooming first baseman to come along and saying maybe he's like that guy. So I get sure. that it's a lazy comparison, but uh, it's still something that sticks in all of our heads, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think I've I, I done it more than almost anyone. Uh, it's just because it's easy. We like to order things, but I think he's legit. Uh, I did the NL only uh, labor coverage for Sirius XM. And I had Cody Decker with me uh, in the booth. He's now doing radio for Sirius XM. And, you know, he's played with Manessas. He played with him in Mexico, actually. And he's like, this is a guy that should have gotten a chance long ago and never got the chance. Like other organizations should have called him up in September and never did. I think Benji Gill, who is the manager for Team Mexico, was saying the same thing. It's like, yeah, so root for guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. I've have you drafted Manessa? So I have him on one my Tout Wars team. I think I've him one draft so far this year out of maybe only about three that have come that deep so far where I could have drafted him. Have you drafted him yet? Mostly early and early yeah. leagues, like in yeah. January. Yeah. Um and he, he's one of those guys that we'll be talking about later where I, I was higher than the room and didn't pull the trigger at times. Okay. Like my my projections had him as the top guy. I was like, ah, I can wait. And then I didn't get him or okay. maybe I did get him later on after all. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it is a question of, you know, what are you know, you know, what, what do you expect out of him? And, you know, am I right? I'm, te- I'm putting my projections to the test here. What if I'm wrong? Like I was last year. I, I thought, um, so the reason I use the Schwindel comparison is I plugged ahead and drafted Schwindel a number of times last year. Did not work out. No. Uh, so now I'm kind of like, okay, I was wrong last year. Could I be wrong here too? Yeah, that's what it is. It's having that that taste in your mouth from last year. And I think a lot of us, if you, if you're someone who drafted a lot of teams, you probably drafted some Schwindel last year. So, um, you know, and if you didn't draft any Schwindel last year, then I think you just are the type of person who needs to see a large sample size before you're willing to take the plunge on someone, in which case everything that happened with Schwindel last year, reinforced that with you. And then you're, you're equally out on Manessas this year. Cause yep. Schwindel did all the things last year during his he had a good minor league season too before he got in sure 2021 did. in 2021 i meant to say but he, he had a good minor league season before the cubs gave him a chance and then he did all the things hit for average good strikeout rate hit for power and then it all evaporated the next indeed year. indeed yeah. it did mm-hmm. um all right before we start uh and that'll be a good bridge to our topic of today is like uh 
fading the public, you know, talking about fallers, what we do with them, what do we do when, you know, in draft falling. So, but before we do that, let's share a couple of notes with our friends at Underdog and Fantrax. The fantasy baseball season is underway and there's no better place to play underdog than underdog fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In best ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. The RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Town Wars Weekend is this weekend. We've used Fantrax many, many, many times in the past, including in the last few years when we weren't able to be together in person. So we are this this weekend. I'm excited about that. But Fantrax has helped us get through some tough times in the past. They offer the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, categories, scoring systems, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All Fantrax users will be also entered into their MLB game day experience giveaway, which includes free tickets and $1,000 for travel and accommodations for you and your league mates. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A. A-X-T-R-A-X.com slash Rotowire. Lastly, our podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys. Thanks for your indulgence. Took care of all of our business at once there. So we can focus on the topic of the day, and that's dealing with fallers, ADP otherwise. Uh, what happens you know, when, when a player falls out of favor? Can we, you know, it, it may not even be someone that you're like on board with, but also it could be just someone that falls in a particular draft. Um, I think it's there's there's multiple categories. Let's start off with the obvious one. That's injuries. You know, uh, whether it's you know it's what kind of it was titled this uh, podcast with with Carlos Rodon, Lance McCullers, Seiya Suzuki. Those guys have fallen all because they're hurt. Uh, are you just taking those players completely off your board, Fred? No, I don't think you can do that. I think sometimes they fall you know, too far and it makes sense to draft one of them. Right. I, I, if we're talking NFBC style, it probably makes sense to draft one of them for you at Tout Wars this weekend with unlimited IL spots. It might make sense to draft more than one of them. If uh, it, cause it'd be create, it creates in the long run, you know, more roster space. You're going to be right. able to, you know, I mean, it puts a little pressure on you in the short term. You're going to have to draft a couple reserves to go straight into your starting lineup, you know, on the first, but on the first fab run, which is usually the most flush in the, in those leagues with unlimited IL in that first fab run, you have two roster spots. For example, if you drafted two players like that, right. um, just waiting for you. So I think if they fall far enough, I was in a, in a draft recently where I was very close to taking Carlos Rodon. I didn't, which maybe means that I, you know, that I did succumb to that, but I'm not really, I had projected him out and I was close. I think I forget who I took uh, instead, but um I know I took Jeff. Did I take Jeffrey Springs? No, I think Rodon was gone by then when I took Jeffrey Springs in that draft. So, but he was kind of in that that level where I was considering him. I think around round ten or so, ten or eleven. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning more and more in my older age and experience of just taking him off my board entirely. And I'll tell you the you know last year the main event. I how many times did I talk about? Hey, I was the last to take Fernando Tatis Jr. I got him at pick one fifty three. Look at me, smart guy here. <laughs> didn't get a single at bat I, um i i know that's an extreme example but i think it's illustrative of what can possibly go wrong it's not always just that there's this time frame for injury it's the possibility of setback it's the possibility that a player isn't the same player when he comes back i you know i think we all you know most veteran fantasy players know that p- pitcher in year one after tommy john is not the year to get that pitcher there are there are certain exceptions but for the most part, they struggle with their command. They may not, they, they don't have the same K rate. It's year two after Tommy John is when you want to get that starting pitcher for the most part. It's, it, it, it's for every rule, there's an exception, but there's a reason for the rule. Hello, Justin Verlander. There is always the exception. Um, but he, you know, he wasn't, he also missed like an, he had, it was like 14 months with him. It wasn't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But it was his first time back. You're right though. He did miss, he missed an exceptional amount of time because he only made, the one start in 2020 and then well, that he did that at the end of the year, right? That's right. So he, he missed. Yeah. He did miss a long time. He missed all of 2021. So, so. basically he had like a full normal off season of rehab yeah, uh, sure. of not of ramp up, not rehab, but ramp up. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's different. Yeah. Um, I think when you're drafting the, in, when the injured players are falling, I think I, I've, I don't know. I've always thought your best bet is to then rank them very conservatively Mm-hmm. And if they happen to eventually be the highest guy in your list, then sure. So in slow drafts that I've been doing recently, I've been looking at Mitch Haniger. But again, I'm going to rank him very conservatively. I'm going to take his max timetable from you know the range that's being offered. I'm probably going to add two or three more weeks to that, then project him out. And then if we ever get to a point in the draft where he's the highest player on my list, I'll take him. Okay, that's, fair enough. That's been kind of my, like, I'm not taking them off my list, but if I'm going to take the injury risk, especially in a league without IL slots, then I want a good deal. Right. And I'm scrolling through my list as we talk here, just looking for, like, out. You know, like, day-to-day, I'm not going to worry about so much. Like, Vlad, I'm not going to change him too much. Right, right. But, like, Trevor Story, you know, obviously, that was an early decision not to draft him at all. And, yep. yeah, I'm just not going to do that there. 
Joe Musgrove, Tyler Glass now are two very good examples though, of guys that we can kind of debate that a little bit more. Musgrove, it's not a pitching injury. It, it was dropping a weight on his foot. He didn't get hurt in the course of pitching. It's not his arm. Yes, you do need to push off on your toe. But that one I, I'm more inclined to take the chance on when he drops a little bit. Whereas Tyler Glass now, I'm probably not. And I'm seeing some, you know, I'm seeing some chatter here about both of these guys. Uh, you know, BZA, RZA, GZA is likely to take him at his discounted rate. I just think you need a discount off the discount with Glasgow because of his hit, Glass now because of his hit, because of his uh, injury history. Yeah, absolutely. I think expecting Glass now to make his timetable is too optimistic with his injury mm-hmm. history. Also, expecting Glass now to make his timetable and then, or whether he makes it or not, but then come back and not miss any additional time. I, I know that any pitcher could also miss additional time you know, beyond what we're expecting, but uh, like this, this may not be it for him. Like you could project him down to 125 innings and say, okay, well, once he's back, he's, he's good to go or 135 innings, something like that. But, you know, knowing his injury history, that may not happen either. So yeah, yeah. again, project him very conservatively, project his injury time, throw two or three more weeks on it. Take it. That takes out another, maybe four starts, take off. That takes off another 20 innings and then see, and then see See what that does. And yeah. you're going to end up not drafting him, but at least you're in at a point. Uh, I have found too with the draft. There's a difference between drafts and auctions. I find with do and this is timely since Tote Wars is this weekend. Um, I have found that sometimes these injured players come very cheap in the auctions as opposed to the drafts. I I'm, I don't know if I can totally put my finger on it. I don't know if it's something about the fact that that you've got that $260 budget and you have to give up. Now you're, you're like, you're looking at now giving up whatever $10 of it for an injured player. And then you can't manipulate the auction to draft extra pitchers in the right. Like, you know, you're going to have to backfill that spot from the reserves or same as say Mitch Hanniger or something like that. Right. So I have found, for example, maybe Mitch Hanniger, maybe pre-injury Mitch Hanniger in a mixed leagues auction was going to go for, I don't know. What do you think? $13 or $12, $13, something like that off top of my head. Um, Maybe now he should go for like eight, but maybe no one just wants to waste eight of their, not waste, but use eight of their dollars when, you know, when they're not really sure when he's going to come back and then they can't get another outfielder till the reserve round. So then he ends up going for five. I was just going to say, I think that's a price range where yes, it's yeah. You'd say it would just take a couple dollars off, but it's really like takes, eight to 10 off sometimes because then you put him into a pool where is he really different than a, a three or $4 outfielder? He's not really that much different. Yeah. So he, you know, that specific example where it, it's like, yeah, it just, it becomes replacement value. It becomes who's out there now. then you put him in an NL only pool, Hanniger or you a similar or last year when he's on the Mariners, put him in an AL only. I, it's just, that's an off the board moment for me. That's where I've just, you know, the injury optimism, I think is really a killer because it's not just that, Oh yeah, well I have fab in that first period, but guess what? It's fab of just ugh, fourth and fifth outfielders. Every once in a while you get a guy that wins a job out of spring training late. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tough question. Uh, Matt asked about Seiya Suzuki. I think he's another one where, you know, the Cubs have been very cagey about uh, his, his progress reports. That makes me extremely distrustful. I, I got to pull up the latest that we have on him. Maybe I missed anything on him, but I, I really kind of don't want to take Suzuki at all. Uh, at least not unless he gets, you know, yeah, he's just str- the latest we have is still strong jeopardy of missing opening day. What is that? What the heck does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm again, I, I took what I forget what I took off of him, but it, it was a decent amount, 40 or 50 at bats. And then if I can get him at where I have him right now, then I'll consider him. Now, I also, you also have to factor in with the injured players if you're doing your own projections or using projections. Did you already have injury time baked in? So for certain players, right. like like I already had some injury time with Suzuki baked in because he had he wasn't durable last year. Maybe that was the wrong thinking. I don't know. Hanniger is a perfect example of that. Absolutely. Though. So I didn't have Hanniger already. I didn't have Hanniger at 550 at bats. You know, I probably mm-hmm. had him before the injury at 515 or something like that. So then he gets hurt. So I'm still going to drop him because this may not be his only injury. But I did. Ha- I I would not draw. I'm sorry. I would not. Yeah, I would not reduce his at bats maybe as much as 
uh, Alex Verdugo or someone like that who's played a lot of games the last couple of years, if he was going to miss the first month or six weeks of the season, well, I have him budgeted for an entire like 150 games of playing time or something like that, 145 games. So I'd probably drop him more. But but again, I, so for example, you mentioned in the onlys, and there's going to be two big only drafts, NAL and NL at Tout this weekend. Um, like like some, this is why I think the guys like Mitch Hanner go for sometimes go for a big discount in, in a room with 12 owners. There might be four or five or six that have already said, I'm not drafting them. Like I'm not, I, there's, there's mm-hmm. no replacement level in an AL or an NL league. Um, you know, I'm going to be replacing him with a, a fourth outfielder at best, uh, maybe an unskilled fourth, like a not very skilled offensively fourth outfielder um, or even a fifth outfielder. So I'm not drafting him. But again, there's still a point where in, a, in an AL or an NL league, well, NL in the case of Hanniger, um, where uh, five months or four and a half months of Mitch Hanniger still ha- has some value, plenty of value in that league. So he still has to be worth something. It's just figuring out what that is to you. Is that worth $5 in that league? Is it worth $8, $10? You have to decide what that is for you. Again, I want a deal, but at a point where I'm still feel like I'm being very conservative, then if, if he, if he makes sense at that point, then I'll still take the deal. I gear that um, on that, but see the thing that for me is like, once he comes back and heals from this injury, it doesn't inure him from future injuries. Yep. For sure. Uh, you know, those are still just as likely, if not more likely yep. because his, his body has already been weakened. So how many times, how many times do we say at the end of the year, certain players just couldn't get healthy? You know, yep. this guy it's just kinetic chain. Yeah. Yep, he just couldn't get healthy. It was first, it was for certain players, you know, first it was a toe. And then after the toe, he was back for a week or a month, I should say maybe. And mm-hmm. it, then it was the hamstring and then he was back for a while. And then it was something in his core. And, you know, he ended up having, I, I often, when I write player recaps or player preview, previews, end up writing that this player served three IL stints last year for different parts of his body. Um, those things are usually not always, but often I think there's, they're related. Right. So, um, you know, one part's compensating for another part and then that part ends up getting hurt. So yeah, for sure. I, he's probably more likely than the average player to go end up going back on the IL depending on how quickly he comes back. Exactly. Exactly. News on, uh, Jose Quintana. He is out three months. He's going to have rib surgery. Um, so either Tyler McGill or David Peterson is going to jump in, uh, and for three months at least. And again, it's at least three months. Undraftable, I would say now. This in a mixed yep. league. I have him in our labor league, so I'll throw him on my IL and yep. see him in July. But I'd say draft- go fab the winner of McGill versus Peterson. Is interesting to me. I, I, I me too. hope it's McGill. Um let's say McGill let's say that the Mets said tomorrow that McGill's the guy. Would you draft McGill earlier than you would have drafted Quintana? Maybe Quintana is like that steady guy. Now he was actually kind of one of my guys. I had already drafted him in our labor league and um, yeah, I didn't mind him. Like just again, as like my SP six or seven, right? Just someone who was going to, I could throw out there, you know, most weeks he would be okay. Like you said, kind of a steady guy. McGill's total opposite. He may like, you could draft him and he could end up being a top 40 starter this year. Or he could be terrible and you throw him like, or, or hurt or something like that. So right. yeah, he's kind of the op- total opposite of Contenta. Yeah. I'm in a super deep score sheet league and I just was checking to see if either McGill or Peterson is available. They are not. <laughs> um, so uh, it just shows how deep we are and we're only in the 16th round. Uh, it's just, it's rough. It's rough, but uh, it's tough out there. Um, okay. Uh, so that, 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 that kind of covers the, injured fallers a little bit there so there's a whole other different thing you tracked you have a pretty big list of adp fallers compared february 1st to 15th versus now uh and our cover guy i think is uh, carlos uh, is carlos correa he actually dropped a little bit from like 113 down to 121 not a big drop yeah. but you know a drop nonetheless yeah there's a few players on here where i think i would just identify them as boring and mm-hmm. although Carlos Correa is exciting as a major league free agent because he signs with different teams every couple of weeks so that he's an exciting yeah. offseason guy. Um, but in the fantasy world, I, I, I actually I got bored with Carlos Correa a couple of years ago in the fantasy world. To me, he just doesn't do much for me anymore. He doesn't, doesn't run. 
Yeah. Yep, he doesn't run. He's never hit 30 homers. He's never hit 27 homers. Um, he's hasn't hit 300 since 2017. Um, yeah, he he's okay. He's fine. He uh, doesn't score tons of runs. He had one year where he scored a lot of runs for Houston. Um, he, he's okay. He's fine. He last like last year, 70 runs, 64 RBIs. Gross. Like that's not very good. No steals. 22 homers. I don't know. I, I've always felt like Carlos Trey is really overrated in fantasy. Like we're waiting mm-hmm. for something that's just, we're waiting for the 3,500, 100 season. That's never going to happen. Um, but I, I don't know. It, but either way, the reason he dropped, I think is just that I think there's a few guys on this list that are just boring and he's one of them. Uh, yeah. Ryan, Mount, Ryan Mountcastle's a few spots below him on the list. Ty France is a few spots below him on our list of guys we could talk about today. They're just boring. They just are what they are. That Ryan Mountcastle is probably going to hit what about 25 homers, hit about 250. So as players start rising and people get excited, excuse me, excited about players, someone's got to fall. For sure. Uh, It's just yeah, that's exactly it. Someone's got to fall. Jordan Jordan Walker takes the leap up. Okay, that's one spot down for everybody else below him. You know, it's you know, you get the Corbin Carroll goes up. Others must drop uh, and you get that time and again. And, and of course you've got guys that are winning jobs uh, and, you know, they were in job battles. Now we know Andres, you know, say if the Mariners said tomorrow, Andres Munoz is the closer and he's definitely going to be the closer, you know, and we're, and we're going to definitely use Seawald as a setup guy. This is what we're doing things differently this year. We're going to have a designated closer. It would take something extraordinary like that. But if they were to do that, Munoz becomes a top five, six, seven closer. Uh, something like that. That's he jumps a lot of spots. Everybody must go down one there. Uh, so yeah, it, it, yeah. Your your list of players here, and you know, I'll, I'll 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 read some of the names off this list. We don't have to discuss each one of them at, at length. But there's Correa, Reese Hoskins, Ahmed Rosario. That's a good one. Ryan Mountcastle, Chris Bassett. Oh, so boring. So Javier Baez. Uh, you know, Ty France, Jake Cronenworth. These are yeah. These. These fit that label there pretty well. Yep. Oscar Gonzalez, John Gray. He's so boring. His name is Gray. Uh, I mean, it, it's, I just talked about how you, I am drafting John Gray in some leagues in a separate video that'll be up on YouTube soon. I, uh, I'm cool with drafting, drafting John Gray. I think John Gray is a little exciting. Like, we still haven't really seen a fully healthy year outside of course for him. So I think there's still something there. But yeah, uh, Luis Arias is the very next guy on the list. So boring. <laughs> Seth Brown, another, you know, another, you know. Fred Tope didn't make the list. Mike Beige didn't get there, but yeah. uh, you know, you're talking some yeah. boring players here. Yeah. Sure. Um, I there's yeah. value in these players, right? There there's is, value absolutely. In, in these players. I mean, you don't want to have a roster with 25 of them, but a few of them, you know, can form, they can be foundational pieces in your roster while you play around with the Miguel Vargas's or the Jordan Walker's at some of your other right. spots. Well, and if you're playing like a draft champions, these are the guys you crave because mm-hmm. for better or worse, they're going to play. Yep. Yeah. It, it's yep. just, yes. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, that, that, you know, I think, you know, Jeff Zimmerman is drafted, you know, drafted very well in the speakers draft champions league that we do. And he always kills people and just at bats at bats and yep. in innings just matter so much. And these guys fit that. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are a lot of names on this list that I have already drafted on teams. Um, I can sometimes, I think, trend a little too boring. So I have to watch that I don't draft Ty France type players six rounds in a row. So maybe I try to hit on someone with a little more potential in there. But yeah, these guys can be foundational pieces that and they again, they, so they should they shouldn't really fall because there should be a push and pull where there's the Jordan Walkers jumping up. But there are also the Seiya Suzuki's falling way down. And those should kind of mostly offset each other. You know, like there'll be a few risers and then some, there'd be some hotshot relievers that are starting to gain steam. Pete Fairbanks has gained a lot of steam during draft season, for example. Um, But then again, again, then there's a Mitch Hanniger. So who falls down? So they should mostly sit where they are, but it does seem to be something that happens during draft season. We always say that we always talk about which players are going to have helium right and then these are the guys that that are these are the lead guys they are never going to have any helium but you know what this the thing is they're not dramatic falls for almost uh, almost every single player here drafted slipped anywhere from eight to 12 spots not nothing dramatic uh it's not like he just utterly collapsed but you get i think 
I will say, get a portfolio of these guys. You're playing in a tough, say if you're playing in, you know, a 15 team mix, let's just call it the main event. For instance, mm-hmm. a portfolio of these guys is great. Give me a, a boring squad that gets, gets all that. Uh, you know, you, yes, you, you run the risk of playing like ADP chicken that you're just, you're just, you, in a way you're just value taking the whole time. But a lot of times, I mean, you're just getting, you're just piling on those counting stats. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard Rob Silver talk about how this is like the Larry Schechter. Uh, I've heard. Him oh yes, that. the Larry, Larry Schechter approach. The king to, at that. Yes. Yeah, death by a thousand paper cuts, right? So I'm just going to continue. I'm going to get. I'm going to get a twelve dollar player for ten dollars. I'm going to get an eight dollar player for six dollars. And I and that's how I did. A, I did it a lot in my Tower Wars leagues that went well over so the. So did Jason Gray when he was playing with us. Yeah, that was that was often my plan. I had values for players. I wanted discounts, and my goals were just to save, based on my projections, save anywhere from two to four dollars on each player. And if you save two to four dollars on each player, you end up with a couple extra really good players over your opponents. Not to get caught into bidding wars, um, that kind of thing. But and that would lead me to a lot of Jake Cronenworth types of players, where just people around the room were like, eh, "I don't really want Jake Cronenworth." Like, you know, the bidding just stops at eight dollars, but he's a ten dollar player, something like that. So. Um, and I wouldn't get caught up in Jordan Walker, who I'm sure will get bid up on the weekend because there'll be three people in the room who just really, really want to have him. Yeah. Even yeah. even the name of the drafter, Jason Gray, is a boring name. Not a boring <laughs> guy. He's a good friend of mine, but uh, uh, he's anything but boring. He's gregarious even. Uh, okay. But uh, nonetheless, very it, it, it's a tactic that has worked and worked and worked. So we yep. all like our shiny toys. It's it's easy to get caught up in that. Pay the extra buck on on Walker. I mean, I, in Razzlam, I took Walker just because I didn't have him yet anywhere. It's like, okay, now I have a fun player there. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, that, it's at the cost of, uh, you know, someone that's a little bit more reliable and steady. I mean, there's still a chance Walker begins the year in the minors. He's had this shoulder uh, that, that set him back a couple of days. The Cardinals are deep. If he goes through, like, a two-week slump here where the shoulder's influencing that a little bit or pitchers start to figure out he, he doesn't he, – he'll chase that slider in the dirt. Okay, well, then that's going to change things on us a little bit. Yep. Uh, in a recent draft, I had this very scenario play out. Now, another owner ended up solving the problem for me, but with one pick away, I, I was it was a slow draft, so I had a lot of time to think about it. Um, it was Josh Bell against Miguel Vargas. Like, it's the perfect, boring, you know, Josh Bell's like whatever, 30 years yeah. old. I mean, he slumped a bit with San Diego last year, but he's he's had his ups and downs actually when I really dug into him. Over yeah, he years. has. But, but every also, player does, by the way. Absolutely. Like every player's got a career year in there somewhere. Every player's got a stinker in there somewhere, pretty much. So, but again, Josh, Josh Bell, you know, cleanup hitter. Maybe if he's not that, he's number five hitter or something like that for Cleveland. He's probably going to be fine. He's probably going to hit 20 to 25 home runs, maybe 27. He's probably going to drive in 80 to 100 runs. And Miguel Vargas is just so cool and exciting and maybe he hits 20 homers maybe he steals a dozen bases this year i don't know he's always yeah. hit for average in the minors maybe he comes right in and hits 290 right away in the majors but then there's all these risks what if he stinks and then the dodgers just put him back in the minors or right. whatever like so i was sitting there debating and in the end i decided that i would just take mr boring and josh bell and then in the end so did the person who drafted before me so then i took miguel Vargas, and i didn't feel great about it <laughs> by the end by the end i spent that's the that's the the brutality of slow drafts is you just sit and think and think and think, and then it doesn't even matter anyways. Right. Absolutely. One away, like what are the odds you get sniped in? I think it was like round 14 or something of a, or 13 or 14 of a slow draft, but one pick away, I didn't think I would get sniped, but I thought about it and I thought this was the classic debate, right? Of these, the, that type of ADP faller versus the hotshot rookie. Um, I, in the end, I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just take the safe guy. That was my so, that was my preferred option. Let me ask you this: Are you more or less inclined to take those swings for the fences on the hotshot rookies? The deeper the league gets, like uh, the reason I ask is I'm in a uh, score sheet league I drafted over the weekend, and it's called Murphy. It's 24 teams in it, 35 rounds. It's hella deep, right? Yeah. You know, you're just every single player almost not every player gets drafted but almost every player gets drafted a lot of prospects too and it's like are you should you be more inclined to swing for some pro- and you can draft prospects at any point because it is there is a, there's a limited keeper component eight plus you can like arrange for a couple other slots and you can get up to like 10 or 11 sometimes keepers 
point is like, do you just keep plugging away at these boring guys or do you take swings for fences and that hope that you get the next stud? Cause obviously having a lot of studs helps you win a league. Cause it's hard to generate a really good keeper list of 24 teams. It's true. Although usually my theory is the deeper the league, the less I take risks because I think you're risks, probably right. The risks yeah. are harder, right. To, to mm-hmm. recover from. I mean, in a 10 team league, I'm taking Miguel Vargas over Josh Bell every day because the guys on the waiver wire probably aren't that much worse than Josh Bell. So I'll go for it with Vargas. If he stinks in April, I'll just drop him. And you know, maybe I can't get Josh Bell. Maybe he's on a team, but right. I get someone who's like in one of these drafts who's having a decent season and was a pick four rounds later or something like that. Then, than Josh Bell. So whereas in, if we went all the way to a 15 team league or, or even deeper than that, I know we can't do an AL only because they're an AL and an NL guy I just referred to, but, um, but that, you know what I mean? Um, I do in know most leagues, mean. it's just really hard to, to recover. Like in that league where I did take Miguel Vargas, he's my starting first baseman. So far, I don't have another first baseman. Uh, if things don't work out well for him, I, I, I'm not going to be able to find something really like hello, Wilmer Flores or something like that, Right. which is, right. Uh, which, so at that point, I think I'm more likely to just take the Josh bells. And then, and as we've talked about boring veterans do have career years and boring veterans do have uptick years. So maybe it won't be Josh bell this year, but if you draft a few Josh bells, Alex Verdugo types, Jake Cronenworth, like maybe this year, Jake Cronenworth is the one year he hits 295 with, 25 home runs and just everything clicks or something like that. So they, the boring veterans can have one year where everything clicks for them. Okay. Um, so there you go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right about that. It just, it's just there, there's like, there's some, I feel like there's some pendulum there where again, that it swings back towards taking more chances because it's just so hard to win. So I also do, I do think though, maybe later, so, yeah. for example, in the 15-team leagues, maybe once we hit about round 20, something like mm-hmm. that, like maybe now or 18, something like that, like like where I was talking about Josh Bell, Miguel Vargas, like those guys are like like staples in your yeah, life. Yeah, they're, 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 they're building blocks for sure. Right, and when we were talking about Jose Barrios, who's a chance guy? He's not a rookie, but he's a chance guy this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I would rather just take Miles Michaelis, who gets drafted a little bit later than him. Uh, but later in the draft... Once we hit round twenty or so, uh, I think then it's it's maybe chance time because when you go back and look at the last ten rounds of of your drafts from the previous year, there's a few nuggets in there, but it's not like most people come out of that with five or six players who contributed to their team for major chunks of the season. Like a lot of those players don't work out, so I think maybe it's 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 the last third of your draft, regardless of league size. Maybe it's I like that. I it's like the that. same thing in an AL or an NL. I know those are usually auctions. Not a lot of people do AL and NL only drafts uh, anymore, but maybe it's the same, it's the same thing in the NAL or NL auction. It's, it's players who are $5 or less. That's yeah. Those are the players that you take your chances on because the person that you're going to take instead isn't that exciting anyways. Um, yeah. I think that maybe that's the, the way to do it. And, like there's just not, it's just not that interesting to take like JP Crawford in a 15 team league. Like For just, sure. don't, just don't do it. Just draft someone who's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> He's the ultimate, like, I don't know what his ADP is, but I got to guess it's like right around round. Th- I feel like him and Brandon Crawford are both like, yep. ADP Anybody named Crawford, basically. Four seventeen and Not named Cindy, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not boring. Uh, the, the two Crawfords who play shortstop are ADP 417 and 431 in the last week. So they are the epitome of your uh, last couple, last two or three rounds in a 15-team league. Like unless you've drafted an injured shortstop and you need someone to cover you at the start of the year, uh, I think maybe just draft someone who's more exciting. I think that's right. And yeah, like I, I can see some other guys. James Outman is being drafted right around there right now. I don't know if I would take him or not. Um, yeah, Ryan Nelson, who might win a rotation spot. I'm just looking at some names there. Brandon right. Fat fought. Yeah. Uh, Drew Smiley's on there. He's he's not a young guy, but he is a kind of boomer bust type guy. He has some good stretches in his career, but then some awful stretches. I have no interest in Drew Smiley. Me neither, but at least at least there's an upside. Human a little bit, but at least there's an upside there that JP Crawford does not have. Eddie Rosario, there's one who goes one pick in the last week has gone one pick before JP Crawford. I'm not that interested in Eddie Rosario either, but He's apparently fixed the vision problems that were bothering him. And mm-hmm. at least there's upside with him. There's just no upside with J.P. Crawford. 
Right. I, right. The last time I said there was no upside about someone who won a Cy Young, though, so I'm going to avoid okay. that statement. That was Rick Porcello. <laughs> I did that on SiriusXM. Uh, there, there's your. I guess that's your ultimate. Even boring veterans have career years. Yeah, anybody can have a career year. That is yeah. true. Yeah. All right. There's one other type of faller we're going to talk about here, and that's the in-draft faller, where the whole room, for whatever reason, just decides to pass on a guy. He's sitting at the top of your queue, and you. Do I pull the trigger or not? Pull the trigger, I think, almost always. If you want to do a quick little Twitter or Google search to make sure this player didn't get hurt during your draft, I think that's totally a smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've had that situation, and I'm sure you have too sometimes during draft season. Like, So, for example, uh, you're down on Adley Rushman at his ADP. Uh, so am I. Uh, his mm -hmm. ADP in the last couple of weeks at the NFPC is about pick 60. So right. pick 60, I'm not interested. That's Sal Perez territory. Give me Sal Perez. I'm not interested in Adley Rushman. That's that's like really good. That's Julio Arias. That's, you know, Christian Javier type territory. Uh, give me those guys. So, but I was doing a draft recently and I was picking 86th and he was available. 87th? 86th or 87th. Anyways, he was available. So then, sure. I, start, so then I start second guessing myself and thinking like, what does this room know about Adley Rushman that like, I don't know. And then I started thinking, Jeff doesn't like him either. I know that. He's oh, don't even do that. And oh, then, that's the worst. Don't worry, Jeff. I drafted him anyways. All so, right, yeah. But I thought at pick 86 or 7, whatever it was, at that point, he was the highest ranked player on my list. I don't feel like I've projected him aggressively. He is someone who's going to play a fair, a, a fair amount of games and does hit probably second in the Orioles lineup. Like He should be pretty valuable, even if pick 60 is a reach. But we're talking almost two full rounds later. Um, so I took him, uh, same thing, same draft, Kyle Schwarber, when I took him 11 picks after ADP, which at point yeah. Kyle Schwarber goes, that's a big gap. You did it with DeGrom in our draft and labor. That's right. So when yeah. the DeGrom pick, so that's the ultimate one. Cause there's an, even an injury, there was an injury yeah. attached to it. He's falling. Nobody wants to be the one to stop the fall. Basically every pick he falls is just another person in the draft saying, I don't want him. I don't think we should take him. I don't want him. And then he just keeps falling. And then as it's coming to me, we were on the podcast, the live stream with Joe Sheehan. And like, I just like, Oh, don't have him come to me. I was ready to take Dylan Cease. I was like, just let Dylan Cease fall to me. I'll take him. And he was, he was kind of my last guy in a tier. And I was like, I don't want to have to decide on DeGrom. And then Dylan Cease went. And then it was like, Oh, I've got to decide on DeGrom like, yep. or else I've got to reach on someone who I don't have ranked that high. And I decided to stop the fall. Like, we'll see how it goes. But it gets in your head when the room starts letting someone fall. And yeah. It's yeah. probably, but it's probably nothing. It's just a random collection of individuals who just don't really like that player. So I've, I've heard it both ways. Like I've heard people like people that just take ADP values. There's a, they fall for a reason. And sometimes they're right. Um, but other times I'm, I'm kind of like, eh, no, I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, I, I, it's inter I, I would say not against ADP, but against your own rankings when a player falls and falls and falls. That's when you should trust your own rankings. Yes. Uh, maybe not trust the wisdom of the crowds and, and versus the wisdom of your room. Maybe the wisdom of your room is smarter than the average crowd. I don't know. But when it's against your own rankings, I, I think you probably trust yourself. Yeah, why else are we doing this? By that's the way? right. That's right. What did you put all the work in? to getting yeah. ready for your draft. And you're, you're right. So like the players we talked about, the Cronenworths and all these players that are falling in drafts, that is the wisdom, collective wisdom of whatever, like a thousand people who have been involved in NFBC drafts over the past few weeks. Um, the, the falling of Adley Rushman in my draft, that was just 14 people, you know, before it was my turn to pick again. Like, I think I'm willing to go again. If someone's, if, if there's thousands of people drafting, you know, hundreds of drafts and the person's falling. Well, I don't know. Maybe the buzz has just gone too far on them in one direction or another, but I'm going to really think like, are all these people wrong? Uh, when it's just a small group of people, 14 people who have passed on Adley Rushman, like at that point I'm like, okay, well this must just be a room who just doesn't really like that guy. I'll take advantage of that. So yeah. the, the wisdom of the masses, I don't know when someone falls in one draft, I just don't think that is the wisdom of the masses. I think that's just, a room who we've all been there in the auctions too. Like I'll, I've sat in tower wars many times. Um, and I'm bummed that I can't be there this weekend that I've got to be a dad and, and take my kids to their sports. But, yeah. uh, 
But you'll never regret taking your kids to their sports. I I will that. And they won't listen to this podcast, so they won't hear me say that sentence. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they're in therapy, they're like, yeah. you didn't want to be you there. I told you. And I'll be saying, but I did. I did go. I didn't want to go, but I went. But anyways. Um, you owed it to them. But yeah. I, we both sat. You sit in that Tetwars room, especially in the auctions, and there's someone who you did not plan on winning at all. Because you go in there and you know certain players. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, for example, I've drafted Rizella Glacius, I think, in my last three drafts. If I was at Tower Wars this weekend, there's a really good chance that I would come away with him. Because um, I seem to have him higher than most people do. Uh, there's just, just play. I think I've drafted Drew Rasmussen in every draft I've done so far. This I, yeah. So, the guy that I was doing that a lot with was Tony Gonsolin until he got hurt. Right. Um, so, and so, so I've already been duly punished for that. So, if he wasn't hurt right now, you would know going into that Tower Wars, you'd be like, I'm. Like, I'm probably going to get Gonsolin. If not, I'm going to be, like, very in on him right to the last dollar. Because I've got, I've done enough drafts to know that there aren't many mm-hmm. people out there who are higher on Gonsolin. They're my now. guys. Absolutely. Right. 100%. But there's always a time in the auction where – and the auction's different than the draft because it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. And you're you're just in on – you're bidding on someone because you've got some values on a list or however you've decided to set it up. And then the bidding stops. Yep. And and it's different than the draft because at the draft, like I made the decision to click on Adley Rushman. Maybe I'm sitting in Tetwars and I'm like, well, there's no way I'm getting Adley Rushman. I'm not the high right. guy at all on him, like versus his ADP, whatever. But I've got him at whatever, $16. So I'll bid him up, but someone's going to pay right. 20 for him. And then all of a sudden I'm like, mm, 16. And then it stops. And I've yeah. had that happen over the years with a lot of players. And then all of a sudden no one bids. And then you start sweating and you're like, wait, like, am I, what did I do wrong here? Why right? did everybody like, stop? Am I right. a fool? Yeah. Right. You're like, am I happy? Cause I just got Adley Rushman who, who I thought was going to go for 20. I just got him for 16 and that's where I haven't valued. So that's good. But yeah. why did they stop? What do these guys know? And then I've, I'll, you'll feel yourself almost go flush and you think like, uh oh! Like, what did I do wrong? Like, I should be happy right now, but I'm not happy. You almost want to turn yeah. to the guy who said 15 and be like, "How come you didn't say 17? Why'd you why stop? Did you, why'd you leave me hanging? I thought we were yeah. in this together till yes. 20." Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we've all been there, and then, but they, it, chances are, when that happens, like you just got some. I think you do. You sometimes it will even. Um, it's on serious. Like when the drafts are on serious, the auctions all like when they talk to you on the break. I'll, I'll want to be like. Are you guys going to praise me on the on the Adley Rushman buy at 16? Because if you're not, I'm going to wonder, like, what, what's going on here? But if you tell me, like, that was a steal at 16, you'll kind of reinforce, like, okay, okay, okay. They're on my side. I feel better. Even though none of that matters. But yeah, you just need it. But the psychological game of drafting, especially in real time, and even more so of auctioning, like, it's very real. So yep. and then you're and then your head starts swimming. You're like, oh my god, I got Rushman for sixteen. Am I happy? Am I sad? Wait, I didn't plan on that sixteen dollars going to that catcher spot. So now, how am I going to adjust? Right. And then right. and the next person's already been thrown out. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, I find all that really fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is. It is, and I, you know, you're kind of like sparking like my, my prep now for yep. uh, for Saturday. Like I'm gonna, I've got a couple a couple of flights this week, so I'm gonna be. Uh, scratching out some uh plans here and i you know and i'm trying to avoid being rigid i want to just like okay yep. i'm gonna have instead of saying i'm going to have a 16 dollar catcher slot i'm gonna have a 16 dollar slot and i'm gonna figure out what quantity goes there but i need to make sure that i have like you know some something's a, a, a 10 you know a 10 dollar power slot and a 20 dollar speed slot i think and, and worry less about position i gotta make it all fit but I think it sometimes might be good to allow for a little bit more uh, malleability there. Yeah, I never had. Sl- I no, I don't really have. When I did the auctions, I don't really have slots. I, I I'll have like a the usual like yeah uh, one eighty eighty one seventy five right. eighty five same. Roughly. And it's more a rough framework for me. Too. And I'm like, oh, I want to get like a couple pitchers. You know, I want to get a couple pitchers at like eighteen dollars or more, but like couple starters or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I never had slots. Um, what I like to do, and this is like could be like its own podcast, but just in really brief, is uh, I'll look at the Tout Wars auctions. If you can get this information, which you can, or if it was an NFBC auction or whatever, I'll look at the past auctions. Uh, let's say that we determined that in your auction last year, which one are you in? AL? I'm in AL. Okay. So let's say we determined that in your AL that um, 85 hitters went for at least five dollars uh i want a discount so i'm gonna t- i'm gonna bid i'm gonna make my list i'm gonna make say instead of 85 hitters at five dollars or more i'm gonna have about 70 hitters 
at $5 or more because I want a deal. And then out of those 70 hitters, let's say we find out that last year, 65 hitters went for $10 or more. So mm-hmm. I'm going to set my list so that instead of 65 hitters, I send me having 65 hitters at $10 or more. I'm going to have 50 at 10. Cause again, I want deals and then the same thing all the way up to the top. So if we feel like if we find out that six players went for 30 to $35, I'm going to have four players at $35 or more. Either way, I'm going to want either deals or guys who just don't get bid up enough or I want, and I don't care who they are, or I'm going to want players. It might not be deals to the room. It might be deals versus my projections. Right. So everybody else, when I buy a certain player is like, oh yeah, he bought, he paid 20 bucks for that guy. He is $20 player, but I'm like, mm, in my projections, I actually am at 24. So you're going to have the perfect where you finish second on every bidding auction. At some that's point that's my thing. Cause I'm looking well, that's comes back. Right. And we've talked about that before because I'm looking for deals. So I'm being cheap. And I'm being tight on my budget and because I'm pricing everybody down a couple dollars from what they, what they probably will go for. So when the auction's over, a lot of my players, I I will worked on them up to the point where they ended up going for two or $3 more. That's a very active style necessarily. Then you need to be in on a lot of players. Um, and so you can be there when it stops at second. That's right. And then, and then it makes you hard to read for people. So yeah, which I've had that issue before. Like if you did well the previous year, like you don't want people to be able to key on you and be like, Hey, I'm not letting Fred win again this year. Like I'm going to bid against him. But if you're just in on everybody, they don't really know when you're going to stop. Cause you're like, I'm going to bid everyone up to the number on my sheet. And you're going to get stuck every once in a while too. That's the other thing. Right. And and Um, where you didn't really want to get that player. Right. It is an exhausting, I find way to do it. And it is like emotion, like emotionally exhausting because you will go through a lot of stretches where you just barely lose on several players in a row. Right. And then you get kind of frustrated and you're like, Oh man, I've lost on like five players in the last five minutes, all at a dollar. They all went for a dollar more than I bid, but you got it. But I got to stay true to my values and my de- trying to get my deals. But then there's just part of you that wants to just say, screw it. I'm getting the next player. Like I've just, I just, Oh yeah. It's, it's very, <laughs> Yeah. Difficult to resist that temptation. I've been there before too. Yeah. But I, but I do think that's for me, I think that's like been a good way to do it. And then sometimes there have been moments, especially on the pitching side, because there's, there's so many hitters, but the pitchers, like there's only a finite group of aces, especially in your AL only league. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so maybe you do have to read the room and say, well, you know what? I am pretty determined. I'm going to get an ACE. We've, we've had about seven or eight ACE type pitchers go. They're all going for more than what I've got them at but I am getting an ace. So I am going to make sure I get at least in with the values or I'm going to go a couple dollars over on sure. one of these guys. Cause I've just decided, you know, I've got, there's, there's still Luis Castillo. There's still Alec Manoa. There's still Kevin Gossman. That's kind of all that's left as far as I feel like AL only aces. I'm getting one of those guys. I like, I, even if I've got to go over my budget a little bit, pitching is where you may have to, I may have to dance around a little more hitting. There's just so many of them that it's got to even out at some point. I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, anything else to add before we sign off here? Um, did we talk about? Did we talk about the Cubs closer? I think that's we should mention that the Cubs. Yeah, are it's so funny you said that because I saw your your, your note to me uh, yeah. that they're leaning towards what's it? Uh, Michael Fulmer and Brad Boxberger are the leaders yeah. right now. Yeah, and I have yeah. Brandon Hughes in a lot of places, so that's why I was very like including last night in a draft and an auction where I think I got used for like four bucks. I mean, whatever. It's just, a, yeah, it's it, an auto new league where we can start five relievers. So even a, a, a relief pitcher with good skills that isn't closing right now is still valuable. Yeah. I, I think, I think Hughes is probably the best reliever in that bullpen. Although the relievers are probably similar enough that it might just be luck. Whoever has the lowest CRA in the group, but right. it would be a very major league manager type thing to let guys like Michael Fulmer and Brad Boxberger who are, you know, on short contracts and have lots of veteran experience to let them get the first save chances and see how they do with them. And Brandon Hughes, who could be used in higher leverage situations and specialist situations doesn't get the save chances. So this happens every year uh, around draft time. There's teams where the best relievers, you know, that we're speculating on don't get the save chances. And maybe it won't be Fulmer and Boxberger. That's just the the word on the street today. Yeah. Fulmer. I mean, Boxberger so far has pitched four innings of a spring, spring training games. He might've done some B or split squad, split squad games. No runs allowed. Three K's, two walks. 
nothing extraordinary there. I know I did. There was a note on Hughes saying, Hey, we're going to take him a little slower because he had so many innings last year. I guess that could have been a little bit of a sign for us that it wasn't going to be him. Fulmer's thrown five innings so far, shutout innings, five Ks, two walks. That's pretty decent. Um, yeah, I still like Hughes' skills, but definitely that that pulled, pour some cold, cold water for me. I think I got Hughes and Labor with you. Uh, that's so okay. Boxberger or Fulmer, my whoever gets that first save, he'll probably get the yeah. second as long as he handles it well. Uh, and Hughes hasn't pitched well so far, only three innings, and he's uh, two Ks, three walks so far. So, eh. I can see it there. I, maybe I got to slow down on Hughes. Yeah, some strikes against Hughes, too. Like, he's left-handed. So, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. a huge deal anymore. But in certain bullpens, it is. And he gave up a lot of home runs last year. 11 and 57 and two-thirds innings. Walk rate's yeah. okay. It's not special, but it's 11 okay. 11 homers. That's a lot. 11 homers a lot. His FIP last year was 470. So, it's not like yeah. we're talking about Yuan Duran. Uh, Duran. Like, yep. like, we're not talking about that special of a reliever who's being denied save chances. So, right. um, yeah, this is just... I. I First fab period, Fulmer and Boxberger are going to go in that yeah. league. After those early drafts, for sure. For sure, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that little useful nugget at the end yeah. of the podcast there. Those who stay till the end. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. All right, guys and gals, thanks for listening. We do appreciate everybody if you tune in and commenting. There, we got a lot, lot of activity. We always love it when you guys uh, chime in with your comments and questions. Keep it going. Fred, will, Fred and I will be back next Tuesday. We'll have Tal Wars to talk about and a lot of WBC and a lot of spring training news. Getting closer and closer to opening day. Can't wait. Thanks, to everybody, for listening. Take care.